Hey y'all, it's Cammie, a super fly girl from a little big world, also known as the 919. I know you're wondering, Cammie, what are we talking about? And just how did we get here? Well, let me tell you. Pen and Paper Podcast is bringing you all the feels of a little bit of everything for a whole lot of somebodies just like you. I'm bringing to you real conversations, transparency, and a whole lot of love. This is for my dreamers, believers, and for sure, my debaters. So let's dive in together as we touch on topics of family, friendships, relationships, both inward and out, come on, love, music, beauty, and did I mention finances? Uh, Oh yeah, we're taking it there. Pen and Paper Podcast is what I like to call your one podcast fits all. And I can't wait to explore with all of my ladies and my fellas to get just the right perspective and a whole lot of laughs, of course. So sit back, relax, and let's put this pen to the paper, y'all. Y'all, welcome, welcome, welcome to Pen and Paper Podcast, y'all. We made it! Yes, honey. As you can see, I am so excited, y'all, because we finally made it to episode one of season one. And if you don't know, it's your girl, Cami, K-A to the M-M-I. And you know, we are giving a little bit of everything for a whole lot of somebodies just like you. I just want to say welcome to all of my listeners. I just want to thank y'all because you could have chose any other podcast. You know this, but you decided to be here. And that right there is enough for me, okay? Okay, and y'all, I just want to start off by saying this is the place to be, but you knew that already, right? (laughs) Oh, okay. Y'all, it is September, and it is an awesome month. The weather's changing, everything is changing in a good way, but it's also important to understand what September represents. And I was thinking like, yo, what is a great way to open up the September month? And Suicide Awareness Month is what September is also about. And so today I have with me a special guest by the name of Mr. Jimmy Gibbs, who is the epitome of excellence, y'all. He has received his master's in counseling from the North Carolina State University. Go Packs. He is also a part of DBSA, and that is short for Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance. And he also is a peer trainer and facilitator, and he's also a part of the Yana Christian-based mental health group. So without further ado, Mr. Jimmy Gibbs, can you tell the people who you are? I have been in North Carolina all of my life, and so I'm proud to be a North Carolinian, but I'm proud to be uh, on your first episode, and this is Suicide Awareness Month. Um, I have been an advocate of not only mental health, but I have been an advocate of mental health Uh, awareness and strategies on coping through mental health for African Americans and everyone that is affected by mental health. Not only people who are affected by mental health, but their families as well, so that they can look at coping mechanisms, so that they can look at why people are coping with mental health and why people have mental health issues and how to get them into treatment as soon as possible. Uh, yes, I'm an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. I attended NC State University. Um, yes, I'm a you know, third generation pastor 
as well. But these things, you don't have to be a pastor to detect that someone in your family is affected by mental illness. Mental illness is most of the time hereditary. Uh, it runs in the family. You've seen your mother depressed. You've seen your father depressed. You've seen someone in your family that looks like they're not feeling well or they have symptoms of depression. And we're going to go through some of those today. And hopefully you'll be able to detect when someone in your family is not feeling well. And um, we're going to get into that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, I'm just excited. So a quote that I kind of wanted to, to, to lead us into this, this very serious conversation, and I, I found it from the intellectual Mr. Barack Obama, and it states that to anyone out there who is hurting, it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help, but it is a strength. It's a strength. It's a sign of strength. So what I would like everyone to do as you're listening, I would like you to place your hand over your heart. Place your hand over your heart. And do you, do you feel your heart beating? You know, do you feel your heart beating? And as you, you know, take some time to breathe and you think about it, that shows that you still have purpose. Absolutely. You're here for a reason. And I think sometimes it's hard to kind of see that, you know, there's so much going on and sometimes we don't take enough time to think. So Mr. Gibbs, could you sort of give us um, your first introduction to mental health? Like, when did you know, like, okay, this is something that I need to be a part of? Well, let me tell you my story. My backstory is I suffer from mental illness. Um, I am diagnosed as bipolar, mixed states. That is my true introduction to mental illness. I knew that I am a what is called a rapid cycler. Um, I thought that I was an overachiever. I thought that I wanted to get things done very quickly, very fast, and I'm a fast pacer. So I was undiagnosed until I was in my 20s. And once I was diagnosed, then I was put on medication to slow my pace down, to slow my sleeping down, to slow the rapid thoughts in my head so that I could focus more, so that I could develop coping skills that would enable me to process information at a slower rate so that I wasn't having a lot of rapid thoughts and a lot of rapid movement in my brain. And that is what started me on the mental health movement. And then from the mental health side, uh, not only was being bipolar mixed states, came the depression wow. of not being able to process that information as quickly. So you go from being an overachiever to what you think you are being an underachiever. Wow. So that really bothered me because you know all of my friends are used to seeing me on the go they're used to seeing me move at such a fast pace and then you go to moving at a snail's pace because the depression sets in so what i had to do was work through with my doctor um who's amazing um i will say his name dr richard weisler and uh, he really sat down with me and gave me the right medications, but it took some time. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you, medication management is almost 90% of what you're going to go through to get to the right balance, to get to the right mix of what you need to start 
on your pathway to success. And once you get that balance, then your life will change a lot. Now, there are people that don't want to take medicine. We found that out with COVID research, and that's what I do as well. And uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about COVID. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about a lot of different topics because I'm buried in in topic management. And, you know, we're going to come back and we're going to discuss those things as well. We are, um, uh, as African-Americans and as people, um, medication challenge. We don't want to take vaccines. We don't want to take medicine. We don't want to take anything that will introduce things into our bodies until we are sure that they're going to work. But let me assure you, I have taken probably 30 different medications to get to the right mix of medications to manage my mental illness. I have seen and tasted so many different kinds of medications. I've been hospitalized. Um, for my mental illness to get stabilized to a point where I am today only on one maintenance medication today versus 12 versus 15. That is so awesome. Yes. And so I think the reason why it's so important to recognize this topic and I and I appreciate you for sharing that because it takes a lot. I think it's just enough strength to even admit that you've been through that. But a lot of people don't even know that they're going through something. They don't even know that they have some type of mental illness. And that is something that I think is very sad. And like you did say, in the, you know, African-American community, it is unfortunate that we don't, you know, take the time out to, you know, get the help that we need. But this is why we are, you know, we're bringing awareness because it is suicide awareness. And we want to, you know, help those that, that really seriously need help. So as we know, religion, sexuality, you yes. know, political views, all of these are major factors when you're navigating and you are, you know, trying to, to give people the right resources, right? Exactly. So how do you how do you think that you you properly handle these situations and kind of set aside your beliefs and you know sort of you know help people? Well let's look at one thing that that are barriers to us getting the help that we need. Absolutely. First of all, there's stigma. Mm-hmm. No one wants to see you pull out a pocket full of medications and take it three times a day. Absolutely. So that's uh, that's a stigma also as far as HIV is concerned. That's why doctors and researchers have worked so hard over the last 40 years to, to um, lessen the amount of medications. You'll look at the Travada commercials, you look at the, the Devada commercials, all of the commercials on TV now tell you you can only take one pill a day versus 14 pills a day. Absolutely. So you've got to look at there's social economic um, disparities. So, you know, in, in 2018, you're looking at 11.5% of black Americans had no health insurance. So they're scared to go get the help. They don't realize that their local health departments always have a backup plan for you. Mm. If you don't have insurance, they will make sure that there are resources available for you to get the um, proper medications for you. Most of the time, the uh, insurance that you don't have is properly taken care of by the um, in, by the drug companies. Mm-hmm. They are required by law to provide access to care. They will provide you with the medications provided you meet certain criteria. Mm-hmm. That means that if you don't have the money to, prov- to pay for the uh, medications, they have plans that you can afford or they give you free medicine. Wow. They have to do that. 
And then you look at, like I said before, a stigma. Absolutely. We just don't want to tell people that we suffer from mental illness. Mm -hmm. I just broadcasted all over your <laughs> network that yes. I suffered from mental illness and I still suffer from mental illness. Um, so that's what we're looking at. And then we're looking at, are we getting the proper care as African-Americans, as people of color? Mm -hmm. We have to make sure that we're going to the right places to yeah. get that proper care. Absolutely. If you're going to Boobah Clinic down the street, <laughs> you're not trusting those doctors that yeah. are coming in to give you the proper information that you need to take care of your business. So you know that if you went to the same doctor that your mama went to 40 years ago, and you know that your mama's still sick, right. you're not going to that clinic. Exactly. So you have to be trusting of your healthcare provider to give you the correct and proper information. You may seek out new areas, new clinics, new places. Yep. It's just like, you don't want to live in the same neighborhood as your parents. You want to upgrade and live in the neighborhoods that provide the newer uh, resources. You want to live in a new apartment community that has the newer amenities. You want to live in a newer neighborhood that has all the new things like, you know, the conference rooms, the party rooms, Absolutely. the, you know, all the amenities that come with that. You don't want to live in an apartment community that has no amenities. So you have to look at the same thing for your health care. You have to live and be in a a safe environment to receive care. Absolutely. So those things all are factors as we look at how we take care of our bodies. If the if the community center that you're receiving care from or looking to receive care from is broke down in an old beat up neighborhood, has never been the the landscaping looks poor around it. That that sends a bad signal for you to receive health care. And what I will say, Mr. Gibbs, that is very true. But what I will say it is sometimes it is unfortunate that some people don't have the access to know. You know, we have to mm -hmm. we have to give credit to people that are trying um, when we, we think about those neighborhoods and things like that. These are sometimes some people's only source of exactly. Living. These are the only things they have. But the reason why we are bringing awareness is because, OK, let's say, for instance, you are in this place of living. Right. Exactly. If you have to take that extra drive or that extra, you know, source of transportation, what we're trying to and what I believe that you're saying is that as you do your research, there are people that are here to help you. Exactly. And their transportation in your community that will do the types of things that other people do. Yeah. So you have to reach out sometimes beyond the four walls and say, who out there is available? Mm -hmm. The Lord says, who is available? And you'd have to reach out there. Yeah. And so sometimes you have to stretch beyond yourself and say that, you know, I think there are other things out there for me. I think other people are here for me. And I just want to, I'm going to ask. Yeah. But the, I think the uh, one of the things that we are afraid to do is ask. And wow. I think that's a lot of what you just said, Cammie. People don't want to ask they for don't. the help. We're so proud of people. We've gone through so much in our lives. Our parents have gone through so much yeah. that the failure to ask always creates a barrier for us to receive the help that is out there to get and, and for us to receive. Um, I think people are comfortable, uh, even within our own churches, people are afraid to ask. It's uh, one, of my church, um, one of my church members long, a long time ago um, 
needed, um, uh, didn't tell anyone in the church that um, her car was broken down. Mm -hmm. These are her close friends that she grew up with. Her closest friends yeah. that she grew up with in childhood. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to one of them, the, uh, you know, talking with them a mm -hmm. while back. And they said, but I didn't know her car was broken down. And they talk every day on yeah. the phone. But I said, reach out to them. We have to reach out to each other to find out how are we doing. Yeah. We're not having really deep conversations with right our on. friends. We're having superficial conversations with our friends. Very surface level. Right. So <laughs> Very surface level. We're not asking people how we're doing. We're drinking with our friends. Yeah. We're eating with our friends. But 99% of the time, we're on, each, we're on our cell phones. Absolutely. We're not asking those really deep, hard questions with our friends like, like, Man, how are you doing? Yeah. How are you doing? I mean, really. How are you really doing? Right. right. Looking, looking in their eyes and saying, "Are you okay? Mm -hmm. I know you lost your job six months ago. How are you doing? Are you paying your bills okay? Do you need a little extra help? Can I give you twenty dollars? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not doing the things that we know that could help enhance a bad situation, absolutely, or can just give a helping hand when they need it." You know, we're looking at, you know, man, they're going to ask me for $50. That's why I'm not going to go out with them. Wow. That, they're going to ask me for something. Or, you know, they're always begging for something. But we never try to get to the root of why they're asking. Now, if you thought that what you're doing can help them, like, hey, maybe, you know, have you suggested school? Maybe have you suggested something that could help them? Have you gotten to the depression part? Have you said, hey, have you checked out the mental health people at uh, the health department? Have you tried to talk to your doctor about maybe getting you on a mood stabilizer? Maybe there is something root cause that you can help them before they start a spiral downward. Absolutely. Because you want to save them. This is Suicide Prevention Month. Mm -hmm. We want to save blacks from committing suicide. And we want to save people from doing the things that we know are hurtful to them. And you know, researchers have found that black young people, our black young people are at a higher rate of mental illness across the board according to Kaiser Health News. So, and here's it. So I wanna, I wanna, this is gonna bring us to our next point. So I have something that I kinda wanna bring um, to, to everyone's attention is that, you know, the pandemic has, it's, it's honestly caused a absolute global shift right yes. um regarding depression and suicide so speaking of that you know statistic that you just shared what what would you say are the main causes because for me and i'll say this from my viewpoints um i've seen that because we are always on our phones we know that social media has played a very major impact right Yes. You have so many people that, you know, will post accomplishments. You have some people that will share their downfalls. But all of it, um, a lot of times we can tend to internalize, especially mm -hmm. when it is people that we know. You know, you're like, okay, I see, you know, so-and-so's got a new job. Da -da -da -da. So what's happening for me? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so you internalize those things in your life. You're thinking, well, I'm not ahead. But the thing about it is, and I'll speak from a personal perspective, I know for me mental health is, is number one. You know, there are times when I'm like, I'll put my phone down before I'm, you know, bleeding on social media because we see it so often, right? Exactly. We see that people are oversharing. 
they're overspilling to people that really don't, they're not a trust person. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like we always say, you have to have at least one person to, you know, share, you know, good information with like, Hey, if I tell them this, you know, they are going to keep this information and, you know, have, have my best interest. So what would you say, um, from your opinion, like, what would you say are some of the main causes for this, this dying, this downward spiral of, of just depression? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. You should be sitting in my chair today, and I should be sitting in your chair. Let me tell you, you have nailed it. Yeah. Before COVID, we call it pre-COVID, uh, I sit on a task force um, with Hank, and they are looking, and that's another um, uh, agency that looks, um, we were looking at HIV strategies, but everybody shift, including the CFARs, those are the Centers for AIDS Research, research and those sit at the 17 research institutions that receive NIH funding, and you know what NIH stands for. Those are those are the funders um, that basically fund the AIDS research across the country. Those are the you know institutions. UNC is one. Duke is one. Those are the local ones here in North Carolina that receive funding from the NIH to fund all of this AIDS research that basically translates into um, medications like one pill a day. So when we look at those strategies, they're looking at what does it take? Why do people get so depressed? It's because pre-COVID, we were still doing the same things. We were on our cell phones. We said, hey, can you meet me for drinks? 90% of the people that meet you for drinks are on their cell phones. As soon as you walk into <laughs> a so building, true. you walk in on your cell phone when the drink, while the drinks are coming while the drinks are being prepared, you're on your cell phone, and as the drink, as you're drinking, you're back on your cell phone, and you have limited interaction. Yes. Be- while the drinks, while you're drinking, or while you're, I'm, I'm talking about any type of drinking. I'm not, I'm not saying alcoholic beverages. Right. I'm saying if you're meeting someone in Starbucks, or you're meeting someone at another coffee shop or any other type of outdoor event or indoor event, you were not interacting with each other. Mm. So those kinds of things have led to this. And I even looked at my own mother in a nursing home. She would talk to her, uh, her pal and her roommate next door. But after COVID, no external visitors were allowed. Both of them became tragically depressed Mm -hmm. because they were not getting any human touch yeah babies who don't get touch have issues you've got to really reach out and touch just like diana ross reach out and touch somebody's <laughs> hand <laughs> make this world a better place if you can yeah you've got to do that but in order to do that uh you've got to rejuvenate even Jesus rejuvenated. Most of the time after these big rallies, big events, after he fed the 5,000, after he did all of these major miracles, he retreated to rest. Yes, yes. You've got to look at self-care. Yes. That is the key. If you're going to push yourself out there and do this type of work, this missionary work, do this type of work as um, first responders, as healthcare providers, you have got to rest. Yes. But in, in resting, 
you have got to realize that there is a responsibility for all of us, mm -hmm. not only as healthcare providers, but we have got to keep our eyes on each other to make sure that we're looking at all the warning signs in our children, our grandchildren, our parents. I knew my mom was getting depressed. Yeah. She was getting depressed. She said, look, I don't feel the same. I don't look the same. I don't feel it. I know something is wrong with me. She was able to, uh, she was able to look at her own warning signs. She was an educated woman. She said, look, I don't feel good. I'm by myself. I'm being, we're, by, we're by ourselves. We're not getting enough interaction. We're not getting enough touch. Mm -hmm. I'm getting touches from those around me in the nursing home, but I'm not getting enough interaction. So you know when you're not getting enough interaction. You know it. You feel it. You mm -hmm. sense it. Yeah. And that's why we always pick up the phone and say, hey, let's go out. Let's, let's do this. Let's do that. We almost ceased that for the last 18 months. Wow. And like you said, Cammie, you're the expert. You're younger. Yeah. And you're saying, hey, all we do is post positive things on the Internet. What am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? I got a new job. <laughs> I did this. I did that. We got to eliminate the eyes yeah. and start talking about what are we doing as a people? Absolutely. What are we doing as a family? What is making our family click with other families? Mm -hmm. What are we doing to enhance the lives of others? Absolutely. This has nothing to do with religion. This has something to do with connecting with others. This is called survival. Yeah. <laughs> this is what cavemen did. This is what we need to do as a people is connect with other people so that we survive as a people. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I, what made me kind of realize that it was um, a social media thing or just like, just like you said, this all has been put to a halt. It's like, I realized for me, and, and, and one thing I will say in a transparent, you know, sort of way, when I wasn't okay, Mm -hmm. um, because there are moments when you're not okay. And yes. that's okay to say. Yes. I think when you recognize when you're not okay, you are at your peak of deliverance and breakthrough. You know what I'm saying? Yes. When you can say, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. I, when I got to that point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take some time to find who I am. Yes. And the best, the best way that I found that I could do that is by, you know, setting aside some time for complete silence. And I know some people, you know, everybody's mechanisms are different. You know, some people like to be around people when they're not okay. Some people, everybody's different. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I had to do was kind of like set some time and like, okay, aside from everything else that's going on, you know, who am I? You know, mm -hmm. and, the, and the best way to make it a everybody or an inclusive thing because we are, it is a survival thing. You have to first look at yourself in the mirror and say, who am I? The only way that you can sort of help someone get from something is to to be sure that you are out of that place first, because how can you how can I help you if I'm not fully OK? You know what I mean? Like, how can I give you some assistance if mentally I haven't become stable? And the thing that I found that a lot of people are doing now is sort of, you know, trying to help people in a sense, because we are all are imperfect. Right. Mm -hmm. Nobody's perfect, but I found that a lot of people are giving people advice while still being sort of stuck in their own ways. Exactly. And when you're sort of not completely, you know, helped or you're not completely delivered from something, you are basically forcing yourself onto others. And then what you also are doing are you're just you're not helping the situation. 
Exactly. And I think the best way to help the situation is to first look at yourself in the mirror. You know, we're always pointing the finger, the finger like, okay, this is what's wrong with that person. You can do this or I did this, but fix yourself first so mm-hmm. that when we do come together, we're like, okay, I took some time to focus on me and now I can help you. You know? Like I said, <laughs> you need to be sitting over here. <laughs> now because, I can help you. you. Exactly. And I feel, you know, and you feel more empowered to Absolutely. help someone once you feel like you have done your self-care Absolutely. and your self-help, you can help others. And I've heard people use the language out of context. Like mm-hmm. people say, you know, like a lot of people say, you know, what's wrong with her? Oh, she bipolar yeah. or, or she's schizophrenic. Yeah. Let me give you the definition of schizophrenic, uh, schizophrenia. Help us, According help us. <laughs> to uh, Dr. Diana Samuel um, from Columbia University in Irving, she describes it differently than most other people. She says schizophrenia is a severe chronic mental illness that interferes with our ability to think clearly, relate to others, and manage our emotions effectively. Wow. That's more of a down-to-earth definition of how we can tell how other people are responding to us and how other people are responding to others. Absolutely. We don't need these huge medical terminologies to help us explain things. Mm -hmm. We need a down-to-earth approach of how to respond when people ask us, what are those definitions? Mm -hmm. How do we respond to that? Now, we can understand this definition of schizophrenia. We know that there's, a, there's an imbalance in the brain, but now we can say, hey, we know that they can't, they're not thinking clearly. They, right. can't, they can't respond to us. They're, they're having trouble with their emotions. Their emotions are getting trapped in their brain. Mm-hmm. That's easier to understand than it is to give us some technical definition that we cannot understand. Absolutely. It's okay doctor to doctor, but it's not okay Cammy to Jimmy. Absolutely. So now we can talk to our friends and say, let's not say that about her. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can talk to her mom and get her some help. Let's see if we can talk to her brother and see if they can work with her and get her the help that she needs so that she can communicate with us more effectively. Because all it is, once you turn those brain cells on with a little medication, she becomes a totally different person. Absolutely. So, but we got to look at the warning signs. We, you know, I look, like I said, you know, we do support groups. Mm -hmm. The support groups are for families and for people that are living with the illness. I love that. So when people come, you know, you can come as a family member and say, hey, my brother is living with bipolar. My brother is living with depression. My sister is living with schizophrenia. How do I support them? Because one time in a support group, um... We had someone online because now everything is moving to online support groups. Mm -hmm. They didn't recognize that someone in their support group had uh, a, you know, was depressed. This is a person that has been coming to the support group for 20 years. Wow. They did not get a chance to speak at this particular meeting and went home and committed suicide. Wow. They didn't see the signs. You can't see them online. You can't see their eyes online. Yeah. So they didn't recognize the warning signs. This is a person that's been online 20, has been a part of their organization for 20 years. So you, that's why I say is you have to look acutely. That mm-hmm. means very sensitively, very accurately. Look, have someone else, a part of your group, look at them, stay with them, 
as you have these support groups online, as you talk online, when you do ministry online, however you choose to communicate with on these online calls, look into the eyes of your people and wow. see if they need help. If people are not talking on these groups, if people are not talking in services because you have them muted, try to get to a point in your services, try to get to a point in these group calls that you check in with people. It is not too late to start checking in with your folks. We used to have that. Remember, um, you know, everybody used to hug and everything. <laughs> well, yeah. it's the same tradition as the hugging. Mm -hmm. We just need to check in with people and just have everybody unmute it for a second and say, well, how are you doing, Miss Patty? How are you doing, Sister Lewis? That. How are you doing? That way you hear their voice. Yeah. And if you detect anything in that voice, one of the deacons, one of the sisters, one of the trustees can reach out, to, one of the missionaries can reach out to them and say, you know what? She didn't sound good. Yeah. He didn't sound good. We need to check in with them and check back with them, somebody needs to give them a call because we want to keep hope alive. We want to, as Jesse Jackson used to say, <laughs> we want to keep hope alive. We want Absolutely. to keep them alive. The object of the game is keep everybody alive and well. This is our goal. Yeah. This is suicide preparedness, suicide awareness, and not only do we want to keep everybody alive, but the goal, ultimate goal for Christians is we want to have everybody go to heaven. So that's our goal as Christians. But goals as other religious organizations, they have their own polity as well. Right. In their culture, in their religion, they have their own definition of what the afterlife looks like. I don't mind that at all as a chaplain in a hospital. I respect all religions. So we want to respect that whatever that end looks like for you, mm -hmm. we want you to approach it with dignity and respect. And my thing is, I want you to make it. Yes. Whatever that make it looks like, I don't want you to end that life earlier than you're supposed to. Absolutely. And so, you know, speaking of like, wanting the best for for people right mm -hmm. because that's that's ultimately the goal i know someone can say well how how do you recognize how do you recognize the signs to know because like you said we used to be able to hug and you know people would go and you know meet up and talk and all those things because we are limited right now how would you say um well, what what would you say would be those those signs to say okay this person is okay because sometimes i will say before you know you say what you notice we'll have it on our hearts. Somebody will cross our minds and we ignore it, you know, because we're like, mm -hmm. I don't want to seem like I'm nagging or I don't want to seem like I'm, you know, getting on their nerves. But no, I do believe that sometimes when a person is laid on your heart, mm -hmm. if they're laid on your mind, um, a simple text, because some people don't like phone calls, some people are not, mm -hmm. you know, with that. So you meet people where they are, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You meet them where they are, you know, ensure that it's a good time, you know, for them to talk or whatever. But a simple text could save someone's life. Absolutely. And we don't even realize it because we are ignoring the fact that if that person was laid on your heart, it was supposed to be there and mm -hmm. that you check on them, you know, in the in the respective time. And you just sometimes you have to listen. So what would you say are the signs, um, Mr. Gibbs, for the people that are like, well, I thought, you know, I saw this, but I wasn't quite sure. So what are some signs that you say this is something that you need to look out for, you know? <laughs> I think, like I said before, you should be sitting over here because, you know, people say you cannot discern a text because oh, it's you, just written words. Right. Oh, but you can. Yeah. Oh, but you can. You can, you, you know, your friend's talking. Yeah. You know what, how your friends 
generally respond in a text. You know if something is wrong. You can definitely tell by the way they do respond in a text. You know by the quickness that they respond in a text, and you can tell by the way they respond or how they respond in a text. So yes, responding in a text is good. Or if they respond very slowly, call them and leave them a message and leave them a message of hope and say, hey, I just want to just leave you a message and say, how are you doing? I hope you're doing okay. I know it's been a stressful week for you. It has been one stressful week for me too. Right. Acknowledge your stress so that they will, so that their stress will be validated. Mm -hmm. Don't let them think that, oh, it's been a great week for me. Oh Lord, I got a bonus. <laughs> wow. And I did this and I did that. Yeah. You want to make sure that their stress is validated along with your stress. Mm -hmm. Everything can't be good in your life. You yeah. know it isn't. So you don't need to pimp up and pump up your life. People <laughs> yeah. try to pimp, you remember that uh, show Pimp Your Ride where, you know, they went in and pimped all your, you know, <laughs> pimped your ride up and they took an old hoopty and pimped it up. Right. Your life is not like that either. Right. So you don't need to look, you don't need to try to get on Facebook and try to make your life better than someone else's. I've seen people try to outdo each other on Facebook. Wow. That's why I'm laying very low on Facebook right now because people are trying to outdo each other on Facebook. Like I, I saw somebody um, at Christmas time Everybody tries to outdo each other. <laughs> Christmas tree. Yeah. Really? We all know your Christmas tree came from Walmart. Okay. So, you know, just because you went to, um, what is that store? Hobby Lobby and you got your decorations. Mm -hmm. Somebody went to Walmart and got theirs and somebody went to another store and got theirs. We, there's only so many places you can buy Christmas decorations. Right. And it all comes from China. So we all know you can't outdo but so much because we know where you're ultimately those decorations come from, China. So if you're, if you're hand making them, all well and good, but we ultimately know. So what you need to do is really just try to reach out to somebody yeah. and just say, hey, my life is kind of slowed down right now. I'm not working as many hours, my life. You need to keep the reality of yeah. your life the same as theirs. Then Absolutely. people will look at you and mm -hmm. say, you know what? They're keeping it real too. Mm -hmm. And I think once people say, you're keeping it real, I can keep it real. And they'll share with you because you're real with them. Absolutely. And that's what you just said. Mm -hmm. Hey, keep those texts real. Yeah. Stop trying to outdo each other and just be real with you. And God will be real with you and God will bless you. Absolutely. Because if you're not real with God, how is he going to bless you? God say, hey, you say you're doing okay. Good for you. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I can move on to the next person that really needs me. And, and, and one thing I will say, in a lot of people's defense, because I know some people will, well, like, what if you are doing good? I don't, I think, and I speak for myself as well, because I think a lot of times um, when you are down, you know, a lot of people love that. They love to relate, like, oh, girl, she's going through this, or a boy, you know, or whatever. But I think that when you do, you know, come up, I, I've always been a type of person that I'm always being transparent. The whole mm -hmm. purpose of this was to be transparent because I think a lot of th times social media has people to believe that they know your story. They know who you are because you, you know, you put all these things out. So like, oh, yeah, I know this about you. I know, you know, so I feel like you have to make sure that when you're reaching out to someone that not only are you sharing, you know, your truths, but you're listening. And a lot of times a lot of us are so quick to speak that we don't listen. 
Yes. If you're overspilling, you don't even realize that you've never really listened to what someone had to say. And I think that that is just as bad as just not ignoring them because at that point you've you've shared, 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 but you're not listening. And am I, you know, as I'm, I'm growing older, I'm like, okay, sometimes it's okay to just listen. Some people just need to be heard and they don't, they don't even want you to share anything. They don't even want you to say anything. Sometimes a lot of people now just need someone to hear them. Exactly. They just want someone that can hear them. And I think to be that person, to be that safe space is what we can all strive to do. Um, even if it's just to one person that, that could help them so, so, so much. I mean, that is the ad <laughs> advice of the century yeah. is to, uh, to provide a listening ear. And uh, we as chaplains are taught that. Um, most, of, most chaplains are, um, a lot of chaplains, not most, but a lot of chaplains are ministers. And uh, ministers like to talk. But um, <laughs> a, lot of a lot of ministers that are chaplains, we learn to provide that listening ear. Absolutely. And let people get it out. Let people talk. And like you said, you know, usually they've been stifled by older brothers because they've come from big families or they were the baby in the family and couldn't talk or they were the oldest ones and couldn't talk. So they just want to talk and get it out, you know, get it out of their minds and get it off of their chest. And um, I work with a lot of people that just want to do that. So you're right. They've got to get it out. And in whatever means they can, whether they write letters, whether they write journals, whether they want to just say to you, I don't want a response. I just need to get it out, get mm -hmm. it off of my chest. And you're so right about that. So amen to you, sister. <laughs> Thank you. And so what I want to, you know, sort of get to is how do you find peace in the midst of this chaos? Because I know that's what people want to know. Ultimately, we talked about mental health. We talked about, you know, ignoring the signs, knowing the signs, recognizing. So how would you, what would be your piece of um advice for the people that need to know how can I find peace what what would you say how do I get to this space of being comfortable talking about it and and, and moving forward you know there's always a path to move forward and mm -hmm. I think all of us need to recognize that everybody's path to move forward is different um, like I said before even Jesus realized that after he did so much work here he rested with his disciples, and you've got to find that rest. It doesn't mean that you go to Hawaii. It doesn't mean that you go to Mexico. Sometimes you just take solace in knowing that you've done well. You've done good. You've worked hard. You can sit back and enjoy each other's company. Sometimes you just need to sit back with a good book. If you don't like to read, you just sit back and watch tennis on TV. Sometimes you just take a walk and enjoy nature. Sometimes these things are absolutely free. Sometimes people late in life decide that they want to take up riding a bike. Sometimes people just want to just be themselves. Some people just being themselves, meaning that they just want to commune in the presence of nature. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes those things are free. You don't have to travel to just commune with nature and just to take a walk in the park and just kind of like breathe in and breathe out, do relaxation exercises. Those kinds of things are very relaxing, relaxing tapes. Uh, a lot of people are into those relaxing tapes now. But I think you just have to find time to find yourself, mm -hmm. your true inner self, and relax. 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 <laughs> yes. And I think that it's important for people to understand that it's okay to um, 
not be where you want to be, but as long as you're striving, it's a walk. It's a daily walk. It's a daily process. And and one thing that I found is like, you know, journaling is good. Talking to people are, is, is good as well. But sometimes just that that silence, that complete silence to just think, think about where you are. And I think that like, you know, we spoke about the comparison thing. A lot of people have a habit of wanting to compare themselves to other people. And you have to realize you're not in competition with anyone. When you know that about yourself, when you when you have and you find your own lane, you got to know that, okay, regardless of what anybody else is doing, I am my own self. I'm mm-hmm. my own person, and I have my own purpose. And that brings us back to the beginning when I'm like, you know, feel your heartbeat. Understand that you still have purpose. There is something that somebody needs you. They need what you have, specifically you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Exactly. And you have, to, you have to recognize that, especially when you have so many distractions from so many things so many things especially society you know it's a, it's a mm-hmm. pressure you know what i'm saying it's a pressure to be a whole lot of things besides yourself it is and i think <laughs> it is and that is that that's that's something that i think is is crazy now to think like everybody a lot of people feel pressure to be other things and i'm like no be who you are Exactly. Be, be who you are. <laughs> be who you were created to be. Exactly. And you will be okay. You'll make it. I mean, you I mean, most people are so set upon I've got to live in this place. I've got to have this type of car. I've mm-hmm. got to wear these types of clothes. It's expected of me. And no, nothing is expected of you. Be yourself. Be who you are. And others will accept you. Not everybody's going to accept you. Not everybody's going to like you. You've got to understand that. I was I was counseling a young man the other day who's 23 years old in grad school, moved here from Florida, and and he was upset because he says I don't feel wanted. I don't feel appreciated. And I said, just be who you are. You will have friends that are going to like you for you, mm-hmm. not because you know of anything else but because you have unique skills that are given only to you be who you are accept who you are and you're going to be just okay yeah and besides you're not going to be here always you're going to travel around the world you're going to do different things with different people and you're going to you're going to get new sets of friends wherever you go so you like you said be who you are Mm -hmm. and so we know that we know that a lot of times um Therapy, you know, seeking help is, is is shunned in the black community, right? It is. We know that. Yes. So what would be what would you say could be something that could be changing for this this specific group? Because I can't speak for anybody else, but I know for us, um, we hear from, you know, the older people in our family like, Oh, you 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 got therapy? Uh, are you okay? You know. So what would you say is something that we can sort of bring some awareness to change that? What I think now is um most of the time um, if you go to your primary doctor, mm-hmm. um, they are asking questions. We're prompting primary physicians to ask questions about your mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, your mental health. How are you doing? How are you doing mentally? How are you adjusting? Uh, those questions have been prompted now with COVID, um, as far as mental health are con- uh, mental health is concerned. Mm-hmm. And and those are some issues that uh, will be coming up as topics in your future podcast for sure. You know we're going to get into that. And I think to recognize those things once you seek therapy, it makes you it makes you look and you realize, like, wow, like, this is what's really been wrong with me. And a lot of exactly. times, like I said, when we internalize other things at a surface level, we don't get to see the actual problem. Exactly. And <laughs> you know crazy. what? 
you're going to be you're going to be a podcast uh, a podcaster for about you know 40 years or 50 years because these are newer topics and topics that are certainly taboo in the black community Absolutely. and the people of color community and I think that once we start delving a little bit deeper into those topics, uh, it will unveil a lot more of the taboos in our community, and I can't wait to hear them. Thank you. So as we close, uh, Mr. Gibbs, what is one piece of advice that you want the people to know uh, moving forward about their mental health? And as we said, it is Suicide Awareness Month. So what, are, what is something that you can take, that the people can take away from you um, from this, this conversation? This you can make it yes this is a teachable moment um beginning with your new podcast and i know that i made it through all of it and i know that you will be able to make it as well as i did um so i encourage all of you to hang in there yeah uh and that all of us are designed in the image you were created in and that i believe that um, you were meant to succeed and not fail. So success to everyone Absolutely. and blessings. Yes, I love that. I love that. And um, my piece of advice would be that um, you are so needed. I think a lot of people think that they don't have a purpose and they're not needed. And I just want to say that you are needed and you are loved. And there are more people that are rooting for you than against you. Yes. And once you recognize that, when you find that right circle of people, you'll understand and you'll see things sort of align for you because you recognize that, hey, I was just around the wrong people. I was just internalizing the wrong things. So that's my piece of advice. And I just, I hope that you guys took something away from this. And um, I just want to thank you so much, Mr. Gibbs, for being here. You're thank, you, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and y'all just be in, and stay tuned for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Pen and Paper Podcast, as well as subscribe to the YouTube channel for all of our videos of our podcast. Y'all know I'm not going to leave y'all out of the conversation. Y'all, I'm just super excited. Pen and Paper Podcast is where it's at.